Welcome to Save Our Games, the video games broadcast that isn't afraid to stand up for truth and simplistic moralising in the hobby, nay, the way of life that we dedicate ourselves to. Gaming. That's right, every week we transmit a radio signal from international waters into your homes, providing refuge both literal and emotional to those the gaming industry would rather silence. Last week you will have listened to some of those fine souls we've taken on board from forums and front rooms around the world to provide you with that sweet, sweet, subcultural content you've been craving. We'll be hearing from some of them again today, but make no mistake, the HMS Games is more than just its presenters. It is me, and it is you. It is the spirit of Gordon Freeman, the Bomberman, and the Gear of War. With that in mind, today I'll be meeting some of the tech crew that keep the ship ship-shaped between interjections by media stalwarts, Grant Sodium, and JP Factboy. What was that, Ros? Right, of course. And our contractually mandated radio time from our house band, The Man Packs. If you want to keep our hearts warm on those cold, emotionless ocean nights, Please get with the hashtag, hashtag SaveOurGames, on Twitter, mail in at SaveOurGames at gmail.com, and support good old-fashioned gamery by donating to paypal.me slash SaveOurGames. So, slide down your gaming chairs, grab your sweet green cola, and save our games. You join me on the bridge of the HMS Games, where all our navigation is conducted, keeping us untrackable, untaxable, and unaccountable to the Games Police, who would shut down our operation if they knew where our ship was stationed. The room is bright, sun shining through the glass walls, and protruding from the ship's main console is the vessel's steering wheel. You wonder, who is responsible for manoeuvring us out of danger? Who drives this great lumbering beast away from detection? You think you ought to investigate. What do you do? I drive the ship, Mum. Hmm? Oh, yes. It's our own maritime pilot, Stu Fox. Good morning, Fox. All right, Aubrey. Doing well? Yes, very. So, tell me, Fox, what's it like driving the ship? Oh, it's a job and a half. You've got to stay on your toes. But the HMSG is the pearl of the Nintendo fleet. Surely driving her can't be such a laborious task. Don't get me wrong, boss. She handles like a fine-tuned Cooper car from one of your father's Muppet Mania racing games. No, the problem is more the process. So you have to log every movement of the ship as I do it. For example, we're coming up on a rocky outcrop in here, so... Slow into 15 knots! And that's recorded here on our system. 
Now, it's one thing to pilot a ship, ma'am, but to announce your movements in advance, well, it takes some getting used to. Usually there's no need for such proclamations, as the captain takes the wheel on most ships. But you know as well as I do, Miss Nintendo, you've no idea what to do with these controls. That's quite enough, Mr. Fox. <clears throat> yes, well, thank you for your service. It is much appreciated. I can't be everywhere at once, but as I am here now, maybe our listeners would appreciate it if I described the bridge on which we stand. Slow into ten knots! I find myself in a glass-walled room, standing at the highest point of the ship, above the cabins at her stern. In the middle of the room stands Mr. Fox at the wheel, surrounded by his various levers and pulleys and readouts. Not that an experienced sailor like him would ever need mechanical assistance. Jake's guns, those rocks are getting closer! I look to my north, out of the ship's main viewpoint window, and see a beautiful and terrifying rock face. I note to myself how wonderful and deadly they seem. Turn in 90 degrees to starboard. To my north, meanwhile, is the bridge's side window, currently framing a massive and narrowly avoided stone outcropping. I wonder how that got there. Whirlpool! We're getting turned completely around! I look north and see a matching window on the other side of the room, and I appreciate the ship's symmetry of design. My father did know how to commission a pretty boat. Getting us out of here. Turning 90 degrees, starboard side. Speeding up to 17 knots. And finally, looking to my north, I see the heavy metal door leading out of the bridge and onto the deck. I walk to it, opening it with a satisfying clunk. And with that, I head on, passing the listeners over to the ship's resident game design savant, Grant Sodium. Thank you for your time, Mr. Fox. Goodbye, Captain. Games! They gotta make money, right? Otherwise, what's the point? But what if I told you that designing your game to get the most short-term sales isn't a good method of game design? Crazy, I know. Well, I'm Grant Sodium, and I'm here to fix the problems endemic to modern games. Do 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 do, Grant Sodium's ideas are the best, do do. So, we already know that attempts to garner the most pre-orders and on-release sales don't make for good games. You only have to look at the recent launch of Mass FX2 to tell you that. But on the other hand, games have to make money. So how do we fix this? How do we reconcile these two competing design principles of capitalism and art? I've come up with a solution. I am designing games which allow you to spend money after having bought the cartridge or laser disc nowadays. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Grant, why in Hades would anyone spend extra money after having invested funds at first? And I have the answer. I call it Game Beling. You simply offer randomized rewards for players inputting money into slot machine game mechanics, and people will spend hundreds on it. And here's the clincher. You don't have to guarantee anything. Players could receive nothing of use and gain nothing but a compulsion to gamble again. My research tells me that people will engage with this Econo mechanic for years after a game's release artificially inflating your design's shelf life and bringing in the big bucks that you can put on your next title. So, 
Next time you're wondering, how am I ever going to survive and create the art I aspire to with this budget? Just remember, Grant Sodium's Gambling. Happy trails. Thank you, Grant. Boy, I can't wait for that idea to be implemented. Meanwhile, I'm coming up on our radio operations room, the source of the sound waves you're listening to right now. This is the place where our transmissions are encrypted and broadcast. Without it, there'd be no show and no respite for our listeners from their otherwise alienating lives. And I can see here in front of me, hunched over the comms desk, is Khan, the radio boy. I wonder what they have to say to us. Hello, Khan. What's that, Khan? For goodness sake, Khan, stop playing with the telegraph machine. Huh? Oh, sorry, Aubrey. Just experimenting. Well, I suppose that can't be helped. Your distractible proclivities were known to us when we brought you aboard the HMS Games, having picked up your signal from the desert island on which you were stranded not weeks ago. But your ability to create a clear signal or an encoded message in even the direst of circumstances was so impressive that we couldn't help but pluck you out of your team of near-cannibalistic survivors and give you a job here. And you've done admirably, Khan, considering the program we're able to broadcast right now. I'll say you're a damn sight better than our old radio operator. JP Factboy might be an excellent critic, but in his time as JP Radio Boy, he was sorely lacking. But enough from me, I'm sure our listeners are more interested in you, Khan. You are the mouthpiece, the loudspeaker, the string telephone that brings our message of gaming redemption to the masses. You are the conduit along which the spark of truth electrifies, the filament which lights up the lives of our listenership, the central cog in the watch of free journalism. Your mechanical mind is what makes it all possible, Khan, and free gamers the world around are indebted to you. So with that in mind, my boy, what do you have to say? Oh, uh, just doing my job. That's my boy, Khan. That's my boy. What's up, cool cats? It's JP Factboy, aka The Fact Blaster here, bringing you the facts about video games. Today, I'm going to be telling you about an odd but not unsurprising link between the protagonist of two fairly gentle indie games and why it's something we should expect to see more of in the future. Let's hear the facts! You've heard of indie darling YA game Night in the Woods, right? With good reason, it's good. That's a Fact Blaster exclusive. For those not in the cool club, and of course I'm kidding, if you're listening to JP, you're all in the cool club. Night in the Woods is a story-rich platformer where you play as May, a recent college dropout, returning to her decaying post-industrial town and struggling to reckon with both her internal demons and the demons of capitalism in front of the backdrop of a sinister mystery. Also, all the people are animals, but that never comes up. May is a cat, but people have pet cats too. It mostly seems stylistic. 
Meanwhile, A Short Hike is a 3D platforming open world game in which you play Claire, a teen on vacation with her family who has to climb a mountain in order to get cell phone reception. While exploring the holiday zone, you'll meet interesting characters, help a few people out, and have fun, probably with a volleyball. It's hecking gentle, folks. Also, everyone is animals. Claire is a bird. These games obviously have something in common, and I think you can spot what it is. Sardonic Neurodivergent Young Woman Protagonists! That's right, May's attempt to deal with what are possibly the symptoms of ADHD and BPD are a core theme of Night in the Woods. These character traits filter down to the writing of her casual conversations, where she's gently impatient, straight-talking, and funny. While a short hike doesn't make its player's character's neurotype as much of a theme, these traits are similarly abundant in Claire, who launches herself into her holiday quest with the wide-eyed hyperfixation of a girl with ADHD. Now, fantastic buddies, I don't mean to perform pop psychology on these characters right now. That's what I do on my Sunday show, Just Brains with JP. But it is telling that these two indie protagonists share these qualities. So why? Well, one attribute these women share is that they are chaotic, and this part of their personalities helps account for the true agent of chaos in the story, the player. In most games, the actions of the player can destroy Emergent. Why is Kratos repeatedly swinging his axe at that rock? Why is Nathan Drake insisting on punching everyone rather than using his guns? Why is Luigi on the racetrack? Mario! But making a character whose neurodivergence explains their erratic behavior means the player really embodies who they're playing as. May is someone who would spend a day parkouring to an open window, just for fun. Claire is someone who would spend an hour trying to find a stranger's lucky red hat. Both have been written in a way to explain the actions of the player as the actions of the character in a way that needs little roleplay or discipline from the player. They're just like that. Obviously, this effect doesn't work 100%, and there are reasons it isn't the norm when writing and designing games. You need a very particular setting and theme to pull off the wise-cracking, distractible kid in a world of grown-ups. But we should expect to see this type of protagonist more often in the future, as games start to poke their head out of the bunker of 80s action hero tough guys that they're historically biased towards. This kind of character requires a humility and understanding that the world doesn't revolve around them, even though, as a video game protagonist, it does, which might become more common as games mature. So, the neurodivergence and possible ADHD of characters like May and Claire is more than just an idle writing choice. It's core to the experience of embodying those characters as a player and feeds into the central themes of their respective video games. We're gonna see more of it in the future, and that's a bona fide JP Fatboy prediction! JP Fatblaster out! You now join me in the HMS Games engine room, where the old girl is kept moving by our capable mechanic, Deb. Now, Deb has her back to me, tinkering with something on a wall panel. Good evening, Deb! Oh, Christ, boss! Don't sneak up on me like that! Oh, my apologies, Deb. I was just demoing to our viewers the good work that the service crew of the ship do, and since I was passing by... Did you not say on the walkie-talkie that you were coming? You got a walkie-talkie? Yes. Han gave us all... <laughs> Never mind. These engines won't fix themselves. Um, Deb, do you think you could tell our fans what your daily work on the ship involves? Uh, well... It's my job to... 
balls! I have to keep the engines in working order, which isn't... Damn it! And what constitutes that process, would you say? Um, it's mostly... a matter of timing. Hell! See, to start the engines up, I have to line up this spinning reticule with the right section of a combustion circle. Problem is, the reticule spins progressively faster, and if I get it wrong... The damn thing blows out! And what's the penalty for that happening? Well, it makes a pretty obvious noise, which in this circumstance isn't so bad. And I have to start the process again. Until I can time it right consistently. Oh, you've done it, Deb. Fantastic. Well done. Well, I'm good at my job. So now that our engines are working again, why don't you tell us why the process of starting them up requires such arbitrary challenges of rhythmic execution? Well, it's actually quite clever. That's not one of my alarms. Oh, dearie me, no. That's a signal I have to go and deal with. I'm so sorry, listeners. I'll have to cut our meeting with Deb short. So, keep up the good work, Deb. I'm sure we'll get back to you soon. And while I'm rushing back to the studio, I'll pass you over to our inimitable house band, the Man Packs.
the man packs there, our intransigent house band. Now, we're coming up on the end of the show here, but I think we might have just enough time for a call from a loyal listener. Of course, this is the only maritime games-based radio show where the fans have unfettered access to content creators, thanks to the discretion of my producer Roz, of course. Now, who do we have on the line here? It's... oh, well, if it isn't a regular contributor to this section of the show, Paul from Bangor. How are you, Paul? Well, if I'm being quite honest, love, I'm not best pleased. Well, that is understandable, Paul. There's an awful lot to be angry about in today's modern games industry, which is why we're here, to fight the good fight. I I just don't know if I can trust them. Well, self-serving business practices are right. It's your man, love. Excuse me? I just don't know if they game at all. Surely you're not talking about the crew of the HMS Games now, are you, Paul? The very same. I mean, you're JD Truthboy. JP Factboy, a.k.a. the Fact Blaster, yes. When is it going to talk about No Man's Sky? Uh, what? Any gamer worth their salt would be revealing what happened with real games like that. Not dealing with this postmodern, virtue-signaling, cultural Marxist art nonsense. And I just can't believe a crew of real gamers would waste their time, our time, if they're not going to talk about what matters. Which is, of course, frame rates. I just want to know if you know what those are, Aubrey. Now, listen, Paul. I mean, have you played any games at all, love? Or did you just get this job because of your father? That is not... Why, there was a man who understood how to develop. There was a real game. Oh, well, it seems like we lost Paul there. What a shame. Though, it does give me the opportunity to say a little about this ship and about the show. We have taken in the absolute cream of the crop in this industry. People who spoke truth to power and were turfed out in turn. There is not a single crew member here I do not trust on our crusade to battle, to fix, to save our games. I may have commandeered this ship from the Nintendo fleet, but it is now profoundly free of its mooring and will sail on to fresh pastures. Dear listeners... Dear gamers, there is no going back. So let us persevere. Let us advance. Let us go! Hello, and thank you for listening. My name is Ash Henri Jones, and I created this podcast... After hearing broadcasts from Save Our Games and thinking that it shouldn't just be limited to radio waves, it should be put online for posterity as well. So that's why this is here, um, and we'd really appreciate it if you could rate the show what you think it's worth on your uh, podcast platform of choice. Um, if you enjoyed it even more than that, perhaps, uh, then you can leave us a tip at our tip jar, uh, which is at paypal.me forward slash saveourgames. Failing that, if you cannot donate, uh, or if you simply don't want to, um, then just as useful to us are um, if you share the show with a friend, whether just a, as a general uh, a, a general PSA on uh, social media, or more specifically with someone who you think would enjoy it, uh, that really helps, helps us out a lot, uh, and it's the only way um, 
that shows like this can grow and reach more people because we don't have the same support networks that other podcasts have. Um, it's not just myself that helps out bringing this podcast to life. Um, there are other other people involved, um, such as Kit Reese assists JP Factboy, uh, Lee McCauley helps out Grant Sodium and Khan, uh, Susie Sawafi helps out Deb, um, Drew Hepkins helps out the Man Packs, which I do from time to time as well, and I'm also the personal assistant for Aubrey Nintendo and Stu Fox. Um, the impetus for this podcast was from myself and Rain Watt, with assistance from Haley O'Gorman, Dev Ryan, and Kit Reese. And uh, it wouldn't be possible, of course, without people listening. So thank you for that, and I hope you catch up with us next week for more Save Our Games. Bye.